This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Freelance Friday podcast. Happy Friday. I hope you had a great week so far, and I hope we're going to end things on a good note by talking about... (laughs) Some things that are kind of funny, I'm not going to lie, but also might save you a whole lot of headache. Today we're going to talk about client red flags, and there are some. I get questions a lot like, hey, Latasha, how do you know who's serious or who, you know, who to take seriously or when to actually craft a proposal or when to actually you know, make an offer and decide to work with somebody? Can't tell if this, these people are serious. And it's hard. It can be hard to tell who is serious or who's going to really be a fit for you and your business. And this is not a bash against people. I mean, obviously it's a bash against scammers, but not, you know, not every client is going to work with you. You're not going to work for every client based on your personality type, your communication style, your skill set. So I've really come up with a few key ways to kind of weed out the people who aren't going to work well with me and vice versa, because I want people to get good results, whether it's with me or not with me. So anyway, that's what we're going to talk about today, and some of these are kind of funny. But before we hop into that, I want to thank today's sponsor of the podcast, which is me. (laughs) I don't really take sponsors on this podcast. I've had plenty of offers, and it just, I really like doing this naturally, organically right now, so I'm going to keep on doing it for a while at least, and uh, donate my sponsorship time to myself. So I know a lot of you have already taken my signature course, A Journey Social, But for those of you who have not yet, I want to invite you to give it at least a thought. You can head over to ajourneys.com slash course to learn more about what exactly is offered within the course, who it's a good fit for, and what the investment is and all of that. And I want to let you know that you can also get 20% off by using the code FREEFRYPOD. That's F-R-E-E-F-R-I-P-O-D. Just for listening to the podcast, I'm giving 20% off of the course enrollment. So this course goes over everything that you need to know about starting up a business as a freelance social media manager. I talk about marketing yourself online. I talk about onboarding your clients. I talk about finding your clients in the first place. I talk about a basic sales funnel for selling a digital product or service. And my students have seen some amazing success. I get DMs almost every day saying, hey, I took your course and I just got my first client, or I took your course and I learned so much and I learned how to do a report and my clients were so happy. I get all amazing feedback all the time. So I'm so grateful for my students and want to invite those of you who haven't taken it yet to go ahead and give it a shot. So a journeyeast.com slash course is where you can get enrolled. And don't forget that coupon code free fry pod. All right, into the episode. Welcome to the Freelance Friday podcast. My name is Latasha James and I'm your host. This podcast is a deep dive into the challenging, exciting, and oh so rewarding world of freelancing. From tips and advice to interviews with the people who are doing it right, this show is for anyone looking to get their hands a little bit dirty and make monetizing their passion a reality. Let's get started.
All right, so I think I started kind of subconsciously developing this list in my head back when I first started freelancing. I've talked about this many times before, but I started freelancing on Elance, which is now Upwork. That's where I got my first client. And some of those like online job boards, if you will, or gig boards or whatever you want to call them, freelancing sites, there's Freelancer, there's Upwork, Cloud Peeps, a bunch of others. Um, they can be really hit or miss, but I do not diss them. I know a lot of people preach against using them and I think they're a good foot in the door if nothing else, but they can be very hit or miss. <laughs> so I think I really started to develop this list in my head back when I was, I was starting out because I got a lot of like weird requests and, and things like that. So I would say the one that is very specific to freelancing boards is weird communication. Like, and by weird communication, I mean asking to Skype, asking to talk at like 9 p.m., 10 p.m., 2 a.m., weird things like that. That's always, almost always been a weird red flag for me. Um, So to back it up a little bit, if you're not familiar with how Upwork works, and most of these freelancing sites work, they really do recommend that you communicate with your prospective clients on the platform. So they have messaging features for you on Upwork. They have um, even like web, like you can do like a webcam chat. So basically like a Skype on Upwork, you get paid through Upwork. The client uploads, you know, their payment or not uploads, you know what I mean? Adds funds to their payment versus you invoicing them. They really take care of everything for you, which is again, one of the reasons that I do kind of recommend them for people starting out because it's not a lot. You don't have to figure out Skype and invoicing and everything you really just have to focus on that one thing. So anyway, it can be a good foot in the door, but I digress. Because of that, because everything's available there, they and, and because the, the platform, the website needs to make money, they don't want you to go off of the platform to do Skype calls or to do invoicing and payment. They really want to be your everything. They want to take care of everything for you so that they can, of course, take a small cut of your payment and everything and keep the clients coming on and paying and all that stuff. So it's always a red flag when you find someone that you want to interview for or, you know, chat with about their project. And the first thing they do is say, what's your Skype? Like that's red flag number one. So what I do in that situation is I I usually just say, hey, did you know that Upwork has video chat features? We can either do a voice or video call just right on here. Just send me a message, you know, when you when you're ready. And a lot of times that will get people, like a lot of times I think clients just don't know that that's available because it is a semi new feature. I mean, I don't know exactly how new, but it wasn't always around. So I usually just start by educating a little bit, but I do get clients who are like, oh no, I don't like that. It doesn't work for me or, you know, just some other reason. I don't know, they'll, they'll give weird reasons sometimes. And that's usually where I end the communication. I just say, hey, it's actually, I like to do what Upwork wants me to do. I want to stay on Upwork's good side. So I do prefer to communicate on this platform. Um, and, And if they don't do it, I mean, I guess, of course, every situation is different. But for the most part, that's when I end the conversation. Also, late night things are always a little weird. I mean, if they're in a different country, that's one thing. But again, it's education. It's, hey, it's actually 2 a.m. here. Can we communicate? I'm at Eastern Standard Time. Could we communicate like at least at 8 p.m. or 9 a.m. or something? 
Uh, and again, it, it's just simple, you know, education. I use some time converter tools sometimes because I actually, for my coaching clients, I have a lot of clients in different countries or at least like on the West Coast or even Chicago is a different time zone from here. So um, I do have a, a website that I use. I'll, I'll link it in the show notes if you guys are curious, but it's easy because you can just plug in your city, their city, and then it'll tell you what time it is and all that stuff for scheduling meetings. So I like to use those just to, you know, be accommodating and, and and obviously I'm flexible. I just recently signed a client in Dubai. So Dubai is quite a different time zone. So I had to do an 8 a.m. meeting. I normally don't do that early of meetings, but I'm willing to make accommodations. I'm willing to have a 10 p.m. meeting with her, but if it's a new client, you have no relationship with, and they're kind of weirdly forceful about that, that's definitely a red flag. Going along with that, irrational urgency is always one, Uh, especially for my line of work. I'm a social media manager. I am not a lifesaver. I'm not an EMT driver. I'm not a doctor. There's nothing really that should be that urgent. And I don't want to downplay the importance of social media. I understand, you know, maybe if there's a new store's opening or you know, a press release just went out or something, but those are kind of anomalies for the most part. People are looking to launch their brand. People are looking to, you know, build a social presence. Like those are things that don't just happen overnight and that generally speaking, don't have time limits, if you will. Like that's something that you can always be working on. I can work on building a brand tomorrow or yesterday and, you know, it's just the nature of social. So it's always weird to me when I get messages that are like, hey, I need to talk now (laughs) or you know I need to get this this wrapped up and ready to go by you know tomorrow morning and it's like why like I understand wanting to get your business up and off the ground I know how that feels when you just need to get somebody onboarded you're like oh my gosh I'm tired of doing interviews but it's weird you know you also want to find the right person and I'm big on making sure that we're both the right fit for each other so I don't want to rush through the interview process I don't want to take the first offer that I'm given um, if it's not what I'm asking for you know I don't I don't I don't want that. I want to make sure that the scope of the project is clearly defined so that we're both on the same page because that's happened to me before where it's been like a rush thing and like, oh my gosh, I need somebody. You can do the job. I know you can. Hired. Let's go. And then, you know, a month down the line, it's like, oh, I thought you were going to be doing Google AdWords. And I'm like, I don't do that. I don't, I can hire somebody. I have um, contractors who help me with that, but I need to see if they're available and XYZ. So, make sure that you get the scope of the project figured out before rushing into something. And I notice sometimes, I don't want to say that this is like a tactic or anything. I don't, I don't know this for a fact, but sometimes I've, I feel like that's done for that reason so that they can like be like, oh, you didn't get the job done, you know? And then they'll like throw other things at you and maybe have a reason to not pay you or to, you know, be dissatisfied or whatever. So that's one to look out for. Another one. Um, avoiding budget. Listen, I have, this is something that's so hard for me. It still is so hard for me. I say this all the time. Money, the money conversation is rough. Like I am trying to get better and better and better and I am getting better about it, but I just, it makes me uncomfortable. Money is a very sensitive topic. Money, you know, it it means a lot to people. It's people's livelihoods and it's my livelihood. (laughs) Um, so it's an uncomfortable topic, but I'll tell you what, as a business owner myself, when I have a project that I need to contract out, whether it's big or small, I know in my head how much I have to pay for that. I know how much I can afford. Now, 
even if I'm totally clueless about something, like, okay, let's just use my house for an example. If I need a, a plumber to come in, honestly, because I've always rented, I don't know how much they cost. I have no idea. But I would Google it before I went out looking for a plumber and I would get an estimate, you know, an average range, a ballpark before I go out and try to hire a plumber. Or I would just ask the plumber, hey, what do you charge? And then I would just accept it. But typically I'd do some research first. You know, whenever something happens with my car, I always research it first and figure out what's the average. Um, the same should be done by any business owner for any service. End of story. <laughs> I'm, I mean, it, it's just, it's just true. And there are some things that are a little harder to figure out. I mean, yeah, hiring a social media manager is a little different if they're freelance because looking up a salary is going to be show you an annual salary, and that's not accounting for the fact that freelancers don't have, you know, benefits and insurance and paid time off and all that stuff. But you, you at least have a number in your head that you know that you can afford or that you can't. It's, it's that simple, and. So I've really tried to challenge myself to bring the budget conversation up sooner, which I know might be contrary to some of the things I've said in the past. I really don't know, but I haven't always done this and it really does help avoid wasting time on both sides. I don't want my clients, my, my prospective clients to waste their time getting their hopes up to get excited about working together on a campaign and then us find out that our budgets are totally off. And I don't wanna waste my time. It takes a long time to put together proposals. It takes a long time to do research, even just setting up calls and emails and you know, all, I mean, it's, it's a lot. And so I have the budget conversation pretty early. Within that first discovery call, I at least ask, hey, did you have a budget in mind for this project? If they don't have anything to say, it's a little bit of a red flag. I would say an orange flag. Because <laughs> again, some people just genuinely don't know, but they're willing to, you know, within reason, pay what you ask them. So in that case, if they say, you know, I really don't know what this costs. I just know that I need social media. And I say, okay, no problem. Most of my services tend to range between $800 and $1,500. Or, you know, $500 and $1,000. Or... $2,000 and three, like whatever, come up with a range. You know, the more that you freelance, you'll know what your what your average package is and pricing is. Give them a range and they should either be able to say, oh my gosh, that is way more than I expected or okay, yeah, that sounds like about right. And then you can move forward with the conversation, with the proposal, itemizing things, you know, all that stuff. But if they say nothing or they're just like, I have no idea, um, and leave it at that, it usually is a bit of a red flag for you're probably going to end up doing some negotiation, which is fine to an extent. I think negotiation is a part of business. I, I, don't, I don't love it. I'm still not there yet where I'm like, yeah, negotiation time. But I understand, you know, if somebody needs an adjustment of a couple hundred dollars for a th multi-thousand dollar package, that's different. But if you're, you know, obviously asking for half off your services, that's a different story too. And I think that sometimes the avoidance can end up being that latter situation. Similar, you know, number four here is just kind of lowballing. Uh, when you get to that phase of delivering the proposal and I cannot tell you how many times I've gotten the, okay, looks good, but that's a little high. So could we do like, you know, let's just say I, I in my proposal, I have $1,500 and they say, could we do like 500? <laughs> or like 700 like that's not a reasonable adjustment 
reasonable adjustment is a couple hundred dollars. It's, you know, taking a service or two off. It's, you know, asking me if we could just not do ads or like whatever, something small. It's not cutting a service in half. And I understand that it's hard out here. (laughs) It is. um, I, I understand that it can be really easy to just say, you know what, I can't, you know, $600, seven, whatever, I, whatever number I just said, half of that, half of 1500 is more than zero. So let me just do it. I've been there. I've been there. And it doesn't end well. I end up um, feeling resentful. I end up feeling a little um, undervalued and underappreciated. And I think that's really, really important, especially in this kind of work you're choosing to do this kind of work. You're choosing to work with the clients that you work with. You could easily go, you know, to look for a job at the mall as a side gig or a nine to five as your, as your main gig. Instead, you're doing this and it should be something that at least makes you somewhat happy, like that you're somewhat proud of. I understand not every day is going to be, you know, the perfect day and not every project is going to be the most amazing project, but you definitely shouldn't feel terrible about yourself or feel like you are working for, you know, a couple dollars an hour, because a lot of times that's what it ends up being. If I'm quoting you for a high budget project, it's because it takes a lot of work and energy and time and research and, you know, uh, resources. Even I I think a lot of people don't understand how much goes into my equipment, editing videos, multiple videos every week for clients and, you know, editing podcasts and, and doing all this and taking photos, that's wear and tear on my equipment too. So, you know, we could go into all that, but you don't want to feel like you are, you're losing more than you're getting out of it, or you're not, not appreciated, not valued, not worthy. That's never a good feeling. So lowballing, I try to just nip that in the bud. I, you know, I say, these are my prices. This is what I can do. If there is any wiggle room, if I have any coupons or sales or anything like that going on, I like to offer a small discount for veterans and for nonprofits. If they, you know, ask them if they fall into any of those categories. I mean, beyond that, I'm not going to cut my services in half. I'm not doing it. I don't care if you're my friend. I don't care if you went to school with my cousin or, you know, like whatever. Um, I, I, I can't do it. I'm sorry. Not sorry, actually. Okay, the last one is uh, a little bit different than the rest of those, but it's personal questions or comments or just creepy, weird vibes. They're real. I consider myself a pretty good judge of character, and I, I, I'm really grateful for that, I think. I think it's helped me so much in entrepreneurship because it's not like you have a boss to be like, hey, what did you think of that interaction? Was that appropriate? It's not like you have HR to go to if something weird happens. It's you for the most part, you know, or maybe your business partner if you have one. So I take intro calls really seriously also for a fit, you know, like a culture fit, if you will, um, a relationship fit. You got to make sure that you are on the same page when it comes to communication. I'm not saying you have to agree with everything that comes out of your client's mouths, but you got to at least, you know, have mutual respect for each other and be on the same wavelength for certain things. So I'm big on that. I'm big on making sure that nothing weird happens. And just to be honest, being a young woman, can sometimes warrant weird, weird behaviors from, from prospective clients. Again, it's usually 
on these freelancing sites. And I'm not trying to trash talk these freelance sites. I've said it many times. I think they're great, honestly. But sometimes you get like weird, weird, weird people on them. And I've gotten asked, you know, do I have a husband? What? (laughs) I've gotten asked what my race or ethnicity is. (laughs) Um, You know, which, I don't know. Sometimes there can be language barriers. Uh, I, I, t- I work with a lot of clients all over the world. So sometimes maybe they'll say something that sounds inappropriate to me and it's maybe just a genuine curiosity. Like, oh, I don't know, are you from America originally? And it comes off as like, what's your race? <laughs> but I don't know, that's me, that's me giving people the benefit of the doubt. But either way, that's a question that makes me uncomfortable. I don't think I should have to answer that. I, you know, my general rule of thumb is if it's illegal or frowned upon to ask in a job interview, Same thing for freelancing. You shouldn't be asking about marital status or gender identity or sexual orientation or race or do you have children? I could go on. And pretty much all of those things have been asked of me before, believe it or not. So yeah, definite red flags there. I immediately shoot those down and end the relationship. I don't go further. I mean, I just just can't. I really can't. They're not appropriate. And I, again, knowing that you're alone against that. You don't have HR to back you up. You don't have a boss to back you up. If someone's already challenging you in that way on an intro call or, you know, in an email before you've even signed on the dotted line, it's probably not going to go well long-term and you're not going to want to lock yourself into a contract with them to, you know, not really have a way out and to feel miserable and to feel potentially harassed or abused. So I take that very seriously. Listen to your gut I'm big on that. And again, it's not just women that deal with this this stuff. I mean, I think a lot of times people look at me and think I'm a lot younger than I am. And not saying that's okay to take advantage of young people, but I do think sometimes they're like, oh, she's stupid. This is her first time around around the block, you know. Um, But I've worked at many giant companies. I've worked for many clients, large and small, and I'm also not 18. (laughs) I've also lived for almost 30 years. So yeah, anyway, that's definitely a red flag. So I hope this episode helped you weed through some of your prospective clients and helped give you a little understanding of, you know, what to look out for when you're speaking with them. And again, I invite you to check out my course at ajourneyeast.com slash course if you're looking for more information on discovery calls and getting your clients set up and onboarded and attracting the right kinds of clients because that's what we want in the end. (laughs) Hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll talk to you next Friday for a new one. Thanks for listening. And that's it for this episode of the Freelance Friday podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you did, make sure to let me know. Rating this podcast is a huge help. And you can also tweet me at a journey east with comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes. Lastly, make sure to join my private Facebook group, Money Making Micro-Influencer, if you're interested in elevating your influence and taking charge of your personal brand. There are so many like-minded, bright individuals in there, and it's a place I love to offer up free advice and a little bit of extra fun into. You can find it by searching Facebook for Money Making Micro-Influencer. It'll also be linked in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.